When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. Across the UK, online and on DAB, the independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. A mid-morning dance with the devil from the farmer of fury. Dangerous mid-morning debate with the great dictator. The independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham as Boris Johnson has emerged, thanks to Talk Radio, as the most eccentric of the two candidates battling it out to become the next Prime Minister of this country. Our political editor, Ross Kempsell, managed to get out of Boris the most interesting story yet. Far better than the late-night shouting match, far more fascinating than any of his columns in the Daily Telegraph and even more compelling than his never-ending list of children. I'm talking, of course, about his propensity to build buses out of cardboard boxes, a tale so far-fetched that it surely has to be true, doesn't it? Or doesn't it? I don't know. We'll be finding out from Ross. We'll also be finding out with the help of Tory MP and Jeremy Hunt supporter, James Cartledge, whether there's any point in Jeremy Hunt even carrying on with the hustings and carrying on with this sort of ridiculous uh, situation where he thinks he could win. 0344 499 1000. Coming up later on, we'll be asking why the doctors' union has voted to stop billing foreign patients for NHS care because they don't want to be complicit in what they regard as racism. Is it any wonder the NHS is failing when the people entrusted to make it work have become so political? It's a disgrace, isn't it? 0344 499 1000. Plus, we'll be talking to the Sun's Ali Ross about the ludicrous idea from the mind of TV writer Daisy Goodwin that Dad's Army should be banned because it's encouraging people to want Brexit faster. For heaven's sake, what is going on in this country? You're listening to me, Mike Graham, right here on Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. This bus thing's obviously going to go for a while, isn't it? 0344 499 1000. Some of you might know uh, that the phones were slightly troublesome this morning on Julie Hartley Brewer's show. Uh, it was impossible to get through. Uh, we have fixed the problem now, so don't worry. Uh, and you can now call in. So the number, of course, is 0344 499 1000, because this is the place uh, where not only do we speak common sense, we like to hear it coming from you, because you're very important to us as well. And right now, uh, I'm joined by James Cartledge, Conservative MP for South Suffolk, a Jeremy Hunt supporter in the Tory leadership battle. Welcome to the studio. James, thanks for coming in. Um, if you want to talk to James, by all means, give him a call as well. Yep. Tell us what you made, first of all, of Boris's interview yesterday with Ross, because it's it's made all the headlines this morning from the whole point of the do-or-die thing. But more curiously for me, this idea of his, uh, his pastime of painting uh, cardboard boxes and making them into buses. 
Well, what he does in his pastime is, is his private matter, you know, and uh, I would never comment on that. I'm sure your listeners may have a view. Um, I think it's, for me as, a, as, as an MP, obviously it's the substance that matters. Mm. And, you know, do or die is, is, is pretty strong language. Um, I remember I used to play um, Escape from Colditz, which is a board game uh-huh. when I was younger. Right. And if you got really desperate, there was a do or die card you could draw. Right. And what happens, you rolled the dice, and if you got enough dice, you could get out of the... You get out of cold, it's over the wall. But if you fell short, that was it. It was game over. That was it. You were you were gone. So um, you know, it suggests a high risk approach. What I would say is, um, you know, ultimately, as I think everyone is aware, Parliament is sovereign in this country, and the the big question is, what if Parliament votes in some way to stop No Deal or orders the Prime Minister not to, or orders him to get an extension? What happens next? And it's hard to think, if you're saying do or die, that it wouldn't lead to a general election. Well, that does precede the, 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 the sort of the problem in a way, doesn't it? Because the reason we are where we are, and the reason that Brexit has not been um, sort of exacted, if you like, is because of Parliament and parliamentary sovereignty, and because people in Parliament can't agree on how it should be. Yeah, and, yeah. I mean, uh, Boris Johnson may not have a different situation to Theresa May, but he might have a different approach, I suppose. Well, you're, no, but you're absolutely spot on. Um, you know, we are in a crisis politically, um, certainly in terms of what you saw in the European elections, for the two main parties' terrible poll ratings, and that's because we promised something at the general election that we have not delivered. But you're spot on. We haven't delivered it, because to deliver something politically in this country, you need law, and law needs a majority in Parliament, and there isn't one because we cannot agree on the best way to put into effect the majority decision of British people to leave, and that's the fundamental issue we've and got. How, and so the only other way to do it, presumably, is to renegotiate the agreement, the withdrawal agreement, Correct. which is something that everybody could then get behind. Um, and what would that be for you, because he's talked about having plan A, plan B, plan C, plan D, but one of those plans is to get a new ag- agreement. I mean, what would be have to be in the agreement for, say, you and other people like you in Parliament on the Tory side to vote for? Well, I mean, OK, so, so speaking for Jeremy, Jeremy Hunt, who is obviously the other candidate, I would I would say that he he's focused on the backstop because the problem there is that, in effect, it goes beyond any transition and there is the risk that the United Kingdom, in becoming supposedly independent, would be trapped in a legal arrangement with the European Union indefinitely. And so I know for Jeremy, a key focus in renegotiating would be to try and change that so that it was either agreed that it was temporary or there was some alternative arrangement put in place. But either way, it was a more acceptable version of the backstop, so closer to what was called the Brady Amendment, which did pass with a majority mm. through the House. Right. So is that uh, achievable through Brussels, though? Well, obviously, that is the, that's million, the, next that's the million euro question. <laughs> um, I think that um, my, my view is, and the reason I'm backing Jeremy is I'm actually his Commons aide, his parliamentary aide, and I've seen him at close quarters. I was with him at Health, now at the Foreign Office. He is a minister of the highest calibre, incredibly competent, and he has a background as an entrepreneur. And I believe if he says he can get a deal, he will get one. And I, I back him 100% that. But it will. he always says it won't be easy. And I think the key to it is to go in with the right tone. You can't go in there like a bull in a china shop. But equally, we can't just refuse to negotiate like Theresa May did maybe and keep putting the same deal through. And you, you've got to strike that balance, but also have a broader negotiating mm. team. So he wants to go in with the DUP and other people from our party to show we could get a majority. Will he go in with Nigel Farage? I think he's ruled that out, I'm afraid. But has he, he, he has made clear that it would be a broader team. And the key part is the DUP, not not just for getting a majority, but because, of course, the backstop is on the island of Ireland. And, of course, Northern Ireland and the DUP is absolutely critical there. 
Well, it is, uh, but that's only because of Theresa May had an election she didn't need to have. I mean, there are those who will also say about Jeremy Hunt that he sat in uh, Theresa May's cabinet uh, doing two very important jobs um, and he didn't say any of these things, presumably, while he was in there and he allowed her to continue down a road which was clearly getting her absolutely nowhere. Why wasn't he more vociferous at the time to say, this is not going to work, this is what I think you should do? On the contrary, I'm, I know for a fact he did... Uh, mention these things in Cabinet. Of course, Cabinet is private. It's conducted under confidentiality Mostly. most of the time. <laughs> uh, and we have this thing in the UK called collective responsibility. So what that means is you can differ within Cabinet when you debate, but once you reach a position as a Cabinet, all ministers have to stand by, and most of, and of course, especially the most important and senior Cabinet ministers. So Jeremy would have done that. It's not his style to walk out of a meeting having agreed something and then, you know, noises off say something differently. And, and by the way, that he would have to resign for that, but it's not in Jeremy's nature to resign. He, he backed the Prime Minister, he did his best to support her to get a deal through, but unfortunately... And he backed her deal as well, didn't he? Voted for it three times, yeah. yeah. Correct, Boris voted for it once. So why would we believe a word that he says if he now says that that was the wrong approach and yet he voted for it, albeit that there was collective responsibility? If he felt so strongly enough, surely he should have resigned. Well, he, at the time, he would have had to take the view, you know, is this the right thing to support now or should I resign? Um, at the time, those of us who voted for it, like myself, did so reluctantly because we did think there were weaknesses with it. But, you know, I, I, I sent emails to the members of my association saying, do understand the consequences if this doesn't go through, which could mean political chaos, instability, maybe a general election. And look where we are now. Mm. We've got those consequences. So that's why Jeremy felt on balance he should support it. Did he think it was ideal, perfect? No. And he wants to try and get a better deal. And what does he make of those people who are suggesting at the moment, for example, that if Boris Johnson tries to go out of the EU without a deal, that they will somehow bring their own government down, they will bring their own party down and possibly hasten the demise of the Tory party? Well, none of us would um, advocate the idea that you should vote against the Conservative Party uh, of well, Conservative well, government well, some in, of you are, in, in a vote Ken of confidence. Clark's one of them, and Tobias Elwood's another one, and Dominic Grieve's another one. People are saying things. Uh, whether they would do that in practice, well, that's 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 for them. Mm. Um, I, th I think it does underline, and it's a very good point. It does underline that there is a risk of a general election um, if you if you take such a hard line on the date. Of course, let's be clear. We all want Jeremy wants to be out by the thirty first of October. We all want that. All of us who promised to deliver the European Union exit, i.e., you know, leaving the the club, have promised to be out by the thirty first of October. However, what Jeremy has also said is. What happens if you get near to that date and it looks like a deal is coming through, would you really just scrap that on the 31st and say, sod it, it's no deal because, because you know, we're here on the 31st of October? I think that would be unwise and actually setting a hard date makes negotiation harder. Well, it does, but if you don't set a hard date, then you negotiate forever, don't you? Because there's never any real deadline and there's never any end to it. And I'm afraid that a lot of people in this country, a lot of people yeah. listen to this show uh, and who give me their views on a daily basis are sick to death of all the stalling, of all the filibustering and of yeah. all the kind of indecision and the what-ifs and the, well, what if that happens or what if this happens? And trying to make a, an arrangement, really, for almost every eventuality, which in life you can't do. Uh, and, and I totally understand that and, and lots of your uh, listeners will be thinking that. I get it from my constituency and, and, and people will say, look, let's just, get, let's just go, just leave. They'll say, just leave. Unfortunately, this is an immensely complicated business and there are very, very significant risks to no deal, which means that whilst... We all who are going into negotiation have to be prepared ultimately to walk away if it comes to that. In my view, that must be the absolute 
worst case scenario because if we do, if, if we don't have that threat of course we won't get a deal it's a catch-22 mm. but in my view um the most important thing is to get the right tone going into the negotiations with a good negotiator and jeremy hunt's a very good negotiator to get a deal so that we do leave on the 31st of october but there isn't time is there with I a mean, deal. there is literally no time to get that done because presumably uh, you're going to have a summer recess. You may be doing deals behind closed doors while we don't know about that. But in the end, it's not that long until October 31st. And once Parliament restarts in the autumn, yeah. you haven't really got very many weeks in which to negotiate a new deal. Time is certainly short. I mean, that's a very good point. But I would say, first of all, um, the leaders will still be able to engage. And, you know, we've had all this focus in Brexit on Barnier and the officials, and that's entirely understandable. But as we saw when we went for the extension, the people who run the EU still ultimately are the leaders of the 27 other sovereign nations. And I, I think whoever becomes prime minister will be immediately engaging with you know, Macron, Merkel, the other leaders of the European nations. And I think personally, the, the, the key is to try and get them to agree in principle a way that we can shift a little bit on that withdrawal agreement so that it can pass through Parliament. And that is the key to it. You've got to unlock the other leaders and get them on board because they do ultimately make the decision. They are the leaders, if you like, of the whole process. Sure, but in, but in failing to do that within the last three years, it's hardly likely to happen within the next three months, is it? Really? In, well, re in, in reality, you're kidding yourself. And, and, this, and this goes back to why this is such a, a difficult issue about the time point. It is true that if you have a hard deadline... And if the consequences of going over that and not having a deal are damaging to both parties, you would have thought that it would force them to come to some kind of compromise last minute. And I do think that that is what will happen. I think, personally, there will be something done at the very last minute, and I have confidence in that. But the question is, what if we are getting very close to it and we go over the deadline? Yeah. And so it is difficult. It is difficult, and I understand the frustration. But listeners. we've had several deadlines. We'll stop for a moment because we've got to pick yeah. this up in, uh, after the news. But we're with James Cartledge, Conservative MP for South Suffolk, supporter of Jeremy Hunt. Uh, Jeremy Hunt's aide believes Jeremy Hunt is the right man uh, for Brexit and the right man to do that job. Do you want to uh, have Jeremy Hunt in, after, even after Boris Johnson's rather charming uh, anecdote about the buses? The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. <laughs> Does that bring a sort of rosy cheek to your uh, to your face today? Does it bring a tear to your eye? I mean, I'm not a big fan of Dad's Army, to be honest, but we don't need to ban it, do we? Ali Ross is here. Ali, a very good uh, morning. Welcome well, to Talk Radio. You, very nice to see you too. Now, um, I don't know much about this woman uh, who's written Victoria. But would one of would the... it surprise you to learn she went to one of the most expensive public schools in England? That would not surprise me. Cambridge University. Yes, no, that would not surprise no. me at all. The other thing that I find interesting is that she talks about how Dad's Army harkens back to an older time when people were nostalgic about why Britain was great. Mm -hmm. She wrote Victoria, which actually starts yeah. around about 40 years earlier, presumably, or 50 years earlier, uh, than when uh, Dad's Army did. And she took a lot of liberties with history as well. Yes. The Chartists did not attack Buckingham Palace. <laughs> no, quite. But I mean, this uh, is Victoria the kind did of... not look like that either. No. No, I don't want to ruin anyone's fantasies, but no. no. No, but it is kind of ridiculous, isn't it? That here's Daisy Goodman, because of course she will be a Remainer, because of course, being of a course. lovey, all loveys have to be Remainers. I mean, it's not, compulsory. I, it's are are there any loveys who are not Remainers? Here, here's the irony, though, that Daisy Goodman will never believe. It, it's right. Starters, it's not Dad's army that caused people to vote Brexit, but it is people like Daisy Goodwin who wake up and their first thought is, what can I ban today? Yes. 
These are the kind of people... This is a feature of the left which is becoming increasingly uh, apparent Mm. these days, is that you just cannot disagree with them. And if you do, your opinions will be marginalised, banned... And you'll uh, be immediately not... branded to be a fascist. Yeah. And some kind of little Englander, as we heard there from... I mean, even Jeremy Hunt's at it, saying that he believes in an internationalist view of the world. Uh, except um, that anyone who doesn't agree with him is obviously a little Englander. I mean, it's quite oh, bizarre, isn't it, it? It's garbage. The other irony is that what Dad's Army was doing, and this is the genius of that show, was taking the mickey out of mm, Britain. And right. all our vanities and class prejudices... And yes, there was a Scotsman on that who was incredibly dour, yeah. morbid and pessimistic. And right. I used to think, well, that's wrong for a start. <laughs> but no, they were actually holding a mirror up to me and everyone else. Yes, and Captain Mannering. You and could it, not find a more pompous, ridiculous little Englander than him. Yeah, it, And that is, and that exactly. is a lucky take. Yeah, who was jealous of Sergeant Wilson, right. who was of better breeding yes. than him. Yes, and who had a rather attractive wife. Yes. Um, and then, of course, there's Private Pike, who is, is now uh, walking around as Gavin Williamson, um, which is quite amusing to me. I mean, there's uh, so many uh, sort of parallels that you can draw with, with, with things that are funny, but not to harken back to some, you know, day when, when we all remember Britain as a finer place. And, and, of course, the undercurrent of it all is that, you know, when, when Britain was white, mm. it's all about that, isn't it? I'd, I'd imagine so, yeah. Mm. yeah. But it, Dad's Army was done affectionately and it has stood the test of time, which is possibly what Daisy Goodwin resents as well mm. because no-one's going to be playing her television shows 50 years no. after they were made. And I, I believe I'm right in saying that it is the most repeated programme of all time. You know, it is the one show that continually is shown on all sorts of channels, even in America. Yeah. I was over there recently and my sister and my sister has, you know, public broadcasting channels over there. It's, it's played it's over rating, there all the time. Its ratings are absolutely sensational. Mm. And it's a shame it isn't on this Saturday and they've got Glastonbury instead. <laughs> oh, which yeah, I suppose gives me something to slaughter in the column next It does, Tuesday. yeah. There'll be uh, hours and hours of it as well. Oh, my God. It doesn't yeah, stop. Yeah. Everyone who likes Glastonbury will be at Glastonbury. Mm. There's no need to show it on the telly. Yes, I know. Is my point of view. And if you really want to... But do you think to... we get a choice in that? No. Do you think anyone from the lovey community wants to ban that? No. And how many BBC employees will be down at Glastonbury? Because it's normally hundreds and hundreds it's, and hundreds of them, isn't it's it? It's normally about 275. Right. Of which about three or four probably have a worthwhile task. <laughs> it is remarkable, isn't it, in this day and age? Because I mean, we'll, we'll sashay off into the BBC argument mm. now, for, if, you, if you don't mind, because a lot of people have been talking about the BBC, not least because they've now gone back on their promise to give free television licenses to everybody over seventy-five. Uh. But because a lot of people, having seen the debate, for example, that was on last week with Emily Maitlis, are saying. Are you really sure about this, uh, you know, BBC unbiased situation going on here? And a lot of people are now saying the end is nigh for the licence fee. Do you think we'll get to that? It's an anachronism in this day and age, isn't mm. it? It in does the, seem to be. Well, in I was the days of subscription channels. Yeah. Um, I always used to be a defender of the BBC, but it's, it's increasingly difficult, especially when they suddenly decided they were a publisher as well. Well, it's incredibly difficult for anybody in, well, in commercial he, media, as we are, to uh-huh. compete against them because there's just no way to do it. No, it's, it's a direct taxation which you have to pay. Right. And which is undercutting local journalism. Right. Um, so I, I would shed tears for the old BBC, but not one which you no. can't even put on a proper political debate. And when that show started, you will have looked at it and thought, this is going to be a disaster. Yeah. Just from the stools alone. Just from the set, yeah. They don't even know how to put it. A television studio together. Right. And then when it unfolded 
and they clearly set the whole thing up to get Boris. Yeah. Which is why they had uh, an anti-Semitic uh, imam on there. Yeah. He's not a member of the Conservative. He's not going to be voting on no. this. No. And then the other he guy who was a member of the Labour Party. Exactly. Yeah. And just trotted out the Labour Party mm. line. Right. It and seems it, extraordinary it, that they could even think that they could get away with that. Um, oh, well, that's the arrogance of it. Yeah. And you, uh, and you also think about things like, say, for example, the World Cup and the, the Olympics, I think, in particular, mm. where they send more people to cover the Olympics than Team GB sends to take part yeah. in the Olympics. <laughs> the, and you kind of go, well, there's something wrong with that picture, isn't the, there? The Beeb do not travel light. No, they don't. And then meanwhile, just finally, the other thing that we see this week is is the MPs getting all hot and bothered in the, in the Department of Media, Culture and Sport about poor old Jeremy Kyle. Now, yeah. you know, I'm not saying that, you know, I don't know Jeremy Kyle terribly well. I've met him a few times. He seems a reasonably affable bloke. He did a show that everybody knew was kind of like bear baiting. I mean, mm. and, and people have used those terms for it. But, you know, he's being held up to a kind of slightly different standard here, isn't he? Uh, yeah. I did, this is the only the, the way that, that committee operates. It, if the thing goes wrong, it must be banned. Right. There's no centre ground anymore. There's no... All right. Well, let's look at it from this point of mm. view. This, this, this is coming off air. Right. So he's become the whipping boy for the yeah uh, for the last for the, for the whole thing. And how does that play for reality TV? Because I mean, I try to watch Love Island every year that it's on, and I tried again the other night. Well, God bless you for trying, Mike. I, do. I, I don't see you as the natural. <laughs> I don't think I am. I had literally. I was waiting for the news at ten, and so I had uh -huh. about half an hour to kill in between doing bits and pieces of writing. And I thought, I'll give it a go. Half past nine. I could watch it for half an hour. I literally lasted two minutes. Two minutes. Couldn't, I, I couldn't, just couldn't stand it. Oh, I would say this is not a good series of Love Island. Is it not? If you'd watched it in previous years... Um, well, I've tried was, to watch it in previous it years It was well. a lot funnier. Was I, it? I, I, that's what my brain's telling yeah. me. I may have got the whole thing horribly wrong. There were sort wrong. of six guys all sitting on the side of a swimming pool. I couldn't tell them apart. They all looked exactly the same. Yeah, there is a look. Yeah, and it's that particular sort of, you know, pumped up, um, you know, tattooed, tanned, white-teethed, you know, demigod or something. You're not describing us here, are you? No, I'm not, no. That no, would be I very clear to anyone who sees this video. I notice. <laughs> the pasty sort of, you know, slightly flabby, more in my case than yours. Des desk job guys. Desk job guys, yeah. you know, the most exercise I've I haven't heard. been out in the sun since 1997. When but I you're naturally uh, Scottish, though, so, I hey. mean... You know, that's that's the Scottish look, isn't it? Don't go there. <laughs> I can say that because I'm also Scottish. My parents are from Glasgow. Oh, OK. Did you not know that? I knew you worked in... I, yeah. Now you say that, mm. yes. Yeah, my dad was from Cathcart. Yeah. And mother was from Renfrew. Cathcart, that's where I used to live. Is it? Gary Street in Cathcart, really? yeah. He was in Mansbray. Well, well. Yeah. Who do you support? Um... Now, you see, that's the first question you get asked, isn't it? I yeah. can tell you that when Celtic won the European Cup in 1967, mm -hmm. uh, I had a Celtic kit, yeah. and I went downstairs from my granny's house in Mansbray to play football with the local lads, uh -huh. and they refused to pass the ball to me because <laughs> I was wearing a green and white hoops. Serious? Yeah. That yeah. scarred me uh -huh. for quite some time. But I could never support Rangers. You good. I was about to say, you haven't gone over to the no, dark side, No, I could you? never no. do that. I had a lot of friends up there who were Rangers fans, but... Yeah. But I was—I spent a lot more time at uh, Paradise, as they as they say. Yeah. So there we are. Well, you learn something new every day. I'm getting told I have to go. What's wrong with talking about Scottish football? We always do that when you get Ali Ross in. That's Sorry. what we do. I just steer it around my favourite <laughs> subject. Well, Mono we'll have to get you back in again. Oh three four 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 nine nine one thousand. Let's get some calls on coming next on Talk Radio.
More gun talk from a water pistol from the Farmer of Fury. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham. On Talk Radio. Doctor, doctor, give me the news. I got a bad case of loving you. No pills gonna kill my ill. I got a bad case of loving you. This is the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. You know what to do. 0344 499 1000. We've got loads coming up. Loads of your calls to take, of course. And how about this for a couple of tweets on the subject of the BBC? Following the logic uh, of the lefty nutjob Daisy Goodwin, does it follow that Turkey Dinner, the episode of Dad's Army broadcast on the 23rd of December 1974, influenced the outcome of the June 1975 referendum on remaining in the common market? <laughs> well, it may well have done. Uh, Trevor says, how many right-on BBC lovies have just started camping at Glastonbury for their annual works trip. Scrap the licence fee now. See, this is the thing. People get very upset when they find out they can't get a ticket to Blastonbury, but don't worry, because if you work for the BBC, hundreds of you can go and pretend you're actually working. What a great plan. Unbelievable, isn't it? 0344 499 1000. We will not be decamping from talk radio to Glastonbury. Even a con that the Glastonbury friendly producer is not going. So, you know, he's not happy about that. But there we are. Uh, we're not going to be playing any rubbish music from Glastonbury either. 0344 499 1000 is another. Let's talk to Dr Mike Smith, uh, our regular commentator on all matters to do with the NHS, because even for me... I was quite taken aback this morning when I saw the front page of the Daily Mail. It's racist to charge NHS health tourists is apparently the uh, decision that's been made at the British Medical Association's annual conference in Belfast. We are doctors, not border guards, says Dr Omar Risk. Mike, I have to say, even for the NHS, this is uh, even more left-wing than I think they've ever been, isn't it? Well, one could see it like that, Mike, certainly. And your news bulletin just a couple of minutes or so ago has said nurses' salaries don't cover their bills at the moment. And also the same quote that you're talking about from the Daily Mail that says health tourism is thought to cost anything between 200 million and 2 billion a year. Now, if it were 2 billion a year, that's what... um, it's uh, one, two billion, and the NHS is currently about 120 billion. So that's two point something percent yes. of the um, of the budget. And if it were only 200 million, it's still you know it's still a chunk of the budget. And it's all very well for them to say you know we're not going to charge anyone. It's not really their money. I mean, somebody pointed out on Twitter and sent me a tweet saying it's a bit like all the McDonald's managers saying we're going to give all the burgers away. We're not going to bother charging anybody for a Big Mac. Yeah, I know it. It, it is, and as as um, has been said, you know, if if that needs a review because it is taking up doctor's time. But on the other hand, you know, if somebody is ill and goes to their GP and they've just come here on holiday, that's not charged for. If they go acutely ill to the A&E, that's not charged for. It's people that come here and go to an outpatient appointment with something that would cost them a fortune back home, yeah. instead of which they spend the fortune that the poor people in this country have been paying over the last, well, since 1948. Well, exactly. And also, the doctors are not actually empowered to charge people money anyway, are they? All they're asked to no, do no. is to make notes whenever necessary of dealing with foreign patients. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it is a view, just in the same way as 160,000 Conservative members have a view on who should be the next Prime Minister, when it's not a democratic process for them to do more than put up the candidate and, leave, and then Parliament must decide. And, of course, fundamentally, Parliament decides what is the NHS budget anyway and what, how the, the money should be spent, because it's got to be open and democratic in the way in which it, it's discussed and reviewed. But the view of the union, you know, and obviously they were on a, a, a run, 
because any time anybody spoke against the motion, they got booed. Yes. Um, well, once and, again, uh, you would expect that, wouldn't you? Because the trouble is, because they call it the British Medical Association, it doesn't sound like it's a union. But in fact, it is very much a union and it's a very old style union. Yes, it, yes, it is. It is. Um, and, uh, you know, we saw all the troubles when uh, there, there was strike um, mentioned. I mean, you said doctors could strike 50 years ago. The doctors themselves would have said that is not appropriate. Well, they don't do that anymore. Um, and then, of course, they're entitled to their view, like all of us are in a democratic society. Well, and, yes, um, up to, well, up to a point, I would say, Mike. I mean, they're entitled to a view, but what they're not entitled to do is to, is to withhold funds from the Exchequer, which is effectively what they're saying they're going to do. <laughs> well, yeah, you've got a point there, indeed. I mean, you know, it's one thing to allow for Boris Johnson to become Prime Minister just because a few Tories want him there, but in the end, he will. it will not be forever. In the end, you know, he will have to face the nation. Uh, in the end, he will have to make sure he can form a government. So there are some safeguards built into that system, but it didn't seem to be any built in here because we've heard many times in the past that one of the reasons that we don't collect the money from foreign nations from uh, people who have come here and got various um, services on the NHS is that we're just not very good at collecting the money. No, well, that is true. That is true. I mean, there are certain places where there is a designated administrator who's meant to administrate, who's meant to jump in and, and um, sort this out. And so it shouldn't. It shouldn't fall upon the doctors. But obviously they consider it is. And understandably, that would upset them somewhat, especially if they're expected. But, I, I, you know, I, it would be good to have examples of where this is happening, that they are expected to uh, say, oh, can you pay for this? I don't think um, I, I can't see it uh, happening like that. No, I mean, I can't really either which is why it's it's in many ways it's more of a sort of virtue signaling statement than it is an actual fact because while but but if they're refusing to write down people's names or refusing to actually put fill out a form then that's the same as withholding the money isn't it yeah yeah it is it is rather yeah um, um but i don't know that that is happening one is assuming that uh, anyway as i say anybody that spoke against the motion and there were various voices against the motion they just got booed down like one is hearing is happening in certain places to do with the other political decisions right. that needs to be made in the near future. Well, that's the trouble. We have become a very polarised nation. But the Mail have got what they call a case study of a Nigerian woman who came uh, to this country to have um, to give birth to quintuplets in Britain in 2011. Uh, she had a very complex um, pregnancy, a very complex operation, which apparently cost 145,000 quid to the yeah. NHS. And yeah, yeah. That, but that bill was never presented to anyone. Yeah, well, I wonder why. Um, I, I mean, had she come here uh, within a certain... You know, you're not meant to fly within a certain space before your pregnancy is due. Right. Had she come here within that space, then I think one could justifiably question whether this was health tourism. But obviously, um, I mean, it wouldn't be in anybody's interest if she was acutely ill not to deal with her on the spot. Um, but as you say, I do remember that case, and it did add up considerably to some vast yeah. sum of money. And yeah. I mean, again, I mean, you and I have spoken about this many times. The NHS may have loads and loads of money swashing around inside it, but it still needs more money, and it could, you know, they could well do with some of this money which is not being collected, and it doesn't look like it ever will be. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and if it were two billion, it would be terrible. I can't think it's that much, but nevertheless, you know, I mean, they must have something to go on to say it's somewhere between two hundred million and two mm. million. Not exactly right. Yeah, Doctor Mike Smith, thank you very much indeed. Absolutely terrible state of affairs. This I can't understand why now even the doctors' union has become so left wing that you can't even have a different view from them before they start booing you and start sort of probably trying to throw you out of the profession because you don't happen to believe uh, in some kind of lefty ideology.
It's a shocking state of affairs, is it not? 0344 499 1000 is the number. Don't forget you can tweet us as well, at Talk Radio, at IROMG. I've got some great uh, tweets here, which I should be reading out to you very shortly. Uh, and we've got lots more going on as well. This is Talk Radio. This is the Independent Republic of Mike Graham, 0344-499-1000. It's talk radio. It's the only radio station you ever need to listen to because we tell it to you straight uh, and we let you tell us straight as well. It's not like those uh, vague imitation radio stations where they just tell you one way of thinking and if you don't agree with them, they start booing you. Now, how about this from Sarah? It says, Mike, I went to a GP and told them about the homeopathy visit that I went to and brought the brown unlabeled bottles with me and she said, do not touch anything in those bottles. Well, this is the problem, isn't it? Prince Charles has now been made the patron of the uh, the Faculty of Homeopathy, which kind of lends it a great deal of credence. Now, you may say that you've been to a homeopathy uh, clinic and it's all worked out terribly well, or you may say to me that it hasn't worked out at all and it wasn't really didn't do you any good. So we want to hear from you. 0344 499 uh, Let's go to the phones now. June is in Pembrokeshire. Hello, June. Hello, Mike. How are you doing, June? I'm fine, thank you, and I love your show. Thank I've, you very much. I've switched over to you from another radio. Very well station. played. That shows you've got great perspicacity. <laughs> <laughs> we don't mention his name, obviously. Oh, no, we won't mention his name. No. No, he, he might get nasty. He does, he does have, a, have a nasty turn, doesn't yeah, he? But there yeah. we are. We have a lot yeah. more fun on this station, you know we what I mean? Do. We do, What do you want to tell me? Well, what I want to say is this. Most of these doctors who are saying they don't want to charge... Uh, people who come here and use the NHS yeah. have private practices as well. And they don't mind charging for them, do no, they? No, that's a very good point, yeah. My, my husband had a really bad back problem about three years ago. Mm. And he was in absolute agony. And it would have been months before we could have got him seen on the National Health. So we dug into our savings and we went private. Well, he went private. Right. Well, it doesn't take long for them to send you the bill, I can tell you. <laughs> so I don't, I don't know where the morals are about that. Isn't that an interesting point? You know, I never yeah. thought about that. But, yeah. but this, so, is, this is the thing, though. I mean, and also, I don't know how much it would have cost you, but, but also, isn't it amazing how quickly you can get something done when you're willing away. to pay for it? Straight away. Yeah. And, it, and the cost was about, what, Pete? About eight, eight £8,500. Wow. Yeah. And, yeah. They, and it's just think of a number time, isn't it? You, know, yeah. you, just, you don't have any choice. You just have to pay it. Well, they're quite happy not to collect the money when it's taxpayers' money. Yes. But they want the money when it's their money, don't they? They really do. And did it work? Was it was it worthwhile doing? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was. OK. Yeah. Oh, well, all's well that ends well. Thanks, Jude. Let's talk to Gareth in Manchester. Hi, Gareth. Hi, Mike. How you doing? Yeah, yeah fine, thanks. The um, Jeremy Hunt's crony who was on before. Yes. I can't believe it when we've got politicians talking like that. Um, you're saying things like, we must not leave without a deal and it'd be catastrophic and all this. I mean... If Russell get wind of that, that that's our mentality, then, we're, you know, where's the incentive to them, for them to meet us in the middle? Yeah, but do you know, the, the worst part about all of it, Gareth, is that I don't even think they believe it. I think they say it because they want to scare people into thinking that it's not something we can do. Yeah, well, it isn't something we can do. And Brussels, uh, was it Merkel who said when we first voted to leave, she said, like, Britain must not benefit from leaving the EU? Yeah. Why, why would they possibly give us a good deal, you know, it's, it, it, we need someone like Boris Johnson 
or we need that's if he's telling the truth, mm. or we need to just come out with no deal. You know, I don't. I honestly, I honestly cannot see and have never seen any argument that says we shouldn't leave without a deal, because all the all the arguments are about looking into a crystal ball and saying, oh, it's all going to be terrible. Well, why is it going to be terrible? Well, this is it. Nobody knows. Just like we don't know what it would involve if we stayed in, that would be a gamble as well. Of course, you know, everyone keeps talking about let's put Boris Johnson under the microscope about what he says. What was that comment on Twitter last night from Jeremy Hunt about yeah. Little Englanders? Yeah, I know. You know what was that all about? I know. About, and and, and you know, and he wants Brexit for the forty-eight percent of people who didn't vote for it. Well, why? Well, well, this is why people are sick now. People are sick of politicians who try and please everyone. Yeah. You know. But that's why I think someone like that's why Trump's probably a breath of fresh air, and and mm. to a lesser extent, Boris Johnson is because. He set his stall out, and you don't know 100% yet. We'll know in Halloween if he's telling the truth, but we'd like to think he's telling the truth. Yes, I, th I think he's so, more likely to get it done than anybody else is. And if you want an example of somebody who's trying to please everybody, uh, she's currently standing up at the dispatch box in Prime Minister's Questions, which is actually not Prime Minister's Questions because she's not really Prime Minister. And it's a waste of everybody's time and a waste of everybody's money. Theresa May tried to please everybody, ended up pleasing absolutely no one. Let's talk to Brendan, who's in Hartlepool. Hi, Brendan. Good. Hiya, how are you doing? Very well, sir. What do you want to say? Well, I've, I've just got myself a DAB radio and I've just listened to you, uh, your, your station. Top the man. Saturday, and it is an absolute eye-opener. What a <laughs> wonderful station. Well, thank you I very much. To, I, I listen, I, I'll tell you what, I used to listen to Five Live all the time. Oh, God. They are so, they are so, yeah, but I didn't have a DAB in my vehicle. Did you find but, yourself uh, falling asleep quite regularly? Well, no, I used to ring in and complain, but they eventually wouldn't put me on. <laughs> I used to, I used to think Nicky Campbell was so. Anyway, that's by the by. Yeah. So I'm listening to you today, and I, I, I I'm brilliant. I, you are my, you will be on my dial all the time. Well, brilliant. Um, as right, just dead quick. Uh, you're on about PMQs. Yes. Unfortunately, she still is the prime minister. She's just not leader of the Conservative Party. So <laughs> she actually stands down when Boris or whoever gets elected. Yeah. And I hope it is Boris. That's when she stops being the Prime Minister. Yeah. So officially, she is the, the Prime Unfortunately, Minister. Unfortunately, though, in reality, Brendan, she hasn't really been the Prime Minister for about two years, ever since she lost oh, her majority. Oh, hang on. So, you're right. Totally and utterly. She's the most incompetent Prime Minister. I'm 60, and she's the most incompetent Prime Minister I've known in my political consciousness. She was, she's been pathetic. Mm. And the reason, the, the problem was she was a Remainer and she got Ollie Robbins to do all the negotiation. Although David Davis supposedly doing it and Rab was supposedly, yeah. he undercut them all. But that's why, they, that's why they all quit, isn't it? She agreed to whatever the EU said because that's what she wanted to do. And, and, and I don't so think Jeremy glad. Hunt, I, think, I don't think Jeremy Hunt would be any different. He'd be exactly the same. He's, he's, hasn't someone said he's uh, Theresa May with trousers? Yes, yes, exactly, and without without the personality. <laughs> you know, I mean, it could be worse. Brendan, thank you very much indeed. Uh, lots of you have uh, been in touch as well about this NHS story. This is one uh, from somebody who also doesn't want to give their name. Uh, my sister-in-law's neighbour is a midwife. She has told her the amount of African women coming into the country and giving birth is eye-watering. We've also had a call from somebody who didn't want to give their name to say that... Um, that his wife, I think, is a, um, a GP surgery secretary or a receptionist, and she said that a whole load of people just came from East Timor uh, to register in the in the uh, in the GP surgery, uh, even though they definitely do not live in this country, but they're all somehow here for some reason or other. And it's obviously something that's been going on for quite a long time, and it's something that nobody seems to be in any way empowered to stop.
which is remarkable in itself, isn't it? We'd love to hear more of your stories. 0344 499 1000 is the number uh, to call us on. Many of you have also said things about uh, uh, homeopathy as well as to whether or not uh, it is something that you've used and it is something which you could actually um, take advantage of. Uh, Tom says this, you voted to keep us in the single market, uh, totally against party manifesto and Cameron's pledge to leave it. Uh, this is James Cartledge, he sent this. It's rather obvious why you're backing Jeremy Hunt. He, like you, is a faux Brexiteer. You also voted for the common market point two. Uh, you are part of the problem, not part of the solution. Well, I must say that uh, James did say, if I appear on your radio show, will I get a lot of abuse afterwards for what I've said? And I said, well, you might do, um, but it's usually very high ranking and very sort of... Uh, Articulate abuse, it's not really horrible abuse. Keith says this, if we had a general election and the Conservatives won by 52% to 48%, would they give a monkeys about the 48%? Well, of course they wouldn't. That is the basic problem here. You know, Jeremy Hunt keeps saying he wants Brexit for the 48% as well as the 52%. But in the end, the 48% didn't vote for Brexit, so they don't want that. They want him not to leave. That's the whole point. So if that is the case, then why is he offering them part of Brexit which he can't possibly deliver? Boris Johnson has got to be the only answer here. And if you haven't yet seen Ross Kempsell's interview, which I can't believe anybody hasn't because it's been everywhere since yesterday, I recommend you go to the Twitter account now and find it because uh, there's something like three million people have now watched the bit about the Boris buses and what he does in his spare time. You might not believe it, but it is very, very entertaining indeed. Across the UK, online and on DAB, the independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. So if you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday on Talk Radio via DAB online or via the Talk Radio app. If you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.